Weir's World, the All Ears podcast, in association with Hoppy's Dry Suit Services, keeping you dry in the wet stuff. For more information, search Hoppy's Dry Suit Services on Facebook. Welcome to Weir's World, the All Ears podcast, which will take you on a roller coaster journey around the world. Follow me from Beijing to New York City and back as I share my tales to tell, encompassing the 10 years of Gliadric and the Kabbalistic Cavalry, as well as touring with some well known faces. From celebrity stories to travel nightmares, We'll be reminiscing on the ridiculousness of it all, with special guests jumping in along the way. All Ears is your new favourite weekly podcast. Well, here we go. Since since we started this podcast uh, in September, this is one of the episodes that we've all gone, yeah, really looking forward to that one, because there might be one or two significant tales to tell. So um, it's also the first time that we've had Mark, in here on the podcast. Evening, gents. Evening, Greg. How are you? Evening, gents, everyone. Yep. Uh, Evening, all, everyone. Uh, all the gents. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad we're being inclusive, Mark. Uh, how is everyone? Could be better. Pretty damn good. Yeah, I think. Could be better, Paul. That's, that's a really mixed bag there. We've got yeah. good, could be better, meh. You've just won at the Grand National, Paul. Exactly. That's why I couldn't be better. There we go. Couldn't be better. I thought oh. you said could be better. No, I said couldn't be better. Sorry. How much did you win at the Grand National? Uh, 70 quid. Could have been better, could have been more. <laughs> I won't grumble. A win's a win. That's all right. <laughs> I won't grumble. How much so, did you have to bet to get the 70 quid? Eight, be honest. Fiver, that's good. That's good. good ratio there. <laughs> yeah. It's better than putting on 50 quid to win there. Uh, <laughs> to win 65. We are obviously here this evening to talk about <laughs> that time that we went on tour in the east on the east coast of the US. Um, and it <laughs> what an experience it was from start to finish. I think we should start this one, this episode, by explaining Mark's involvement and how that came about because I know that it was a, a night in the pub somewhere and, and Ross was like, Mark, do you want to be holiday? Are, are, you, are you saying that, like all good stories, the story starts with the night in the pub? <laughs> As <much>. always. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, I believe it was Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve, yeah. Christmas Eve, 2000, and put this for con 17, 2017, Christmas yeah. Eve. Yeah. Um, and in my head, I can't remember exactly word for word, but in my head, it went something like Ross said to me, Mark, can you play the bass? And I said, I can't really play the bass. And then Ross said to me, well, I'm looking for a bassist to go on a US tour. And I said, I can play the bass. I'm sure I can play the bass. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to ignore that thing that previous me of five seconds ago said, he's an idiot. I, I think it was, <laughs> yeah, I think it was Mark. Do you want a free holiday? <laughs> Well, that's what I heard. That, that's, that, was, that was what was going on in my head. That was the, the subtitles. <laughs> and, yeah, so obviously, for those listening, Graham um, couldn't make the dates that we were heading into the US, but wanted us to obviously... Fulfill... He was jailed, jailed, wasn't he, for those, <laughs> those, those days. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why he's not joined us tonight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you obviously came as, well, you would describe, uh, what you would describe as Graham Rich's stunt double. And, and that was... Uh, of course. And that's where we headed off. Medley to the US. And um, for the for the viewers of or the listeners of the podcast, yeah. I most certainly could not play bass uh, at the time. <laughs> I, and I, I can agree. testify to that. <laughs> yeah. And obviously, 
obviously there were loads of rehearsals to get you up to speed for the the tour. Well, you know that is that is the thing that certainly terrifies me. Like that that was what was terrifying me most because I think we had a I, you weren't at the pub that night, and then I had a conversation with you a few days later. I think to say that I'm more than happy to to learn the bass over the next three months. Um, but on the condition, we'll obviously need to get a few practices in. Of and course. Of, co- of course, you wanting me to come because I'm so great. You were like, yeah, of course, we'll, we'll, we'll do practices every week. We'll do practices every week, Mark. It'll be fantastic. We'll be absolutely tight by the time that we're, we're, in, we're in America. Of course, anyway. how it actually turned out when we looked at your diary and my diary and everyone else's diary. You were like, well, there's there's one weekend that we can do. I think it was two weeks before before uh, taking off to go on tour. Yeah. Uh, there was yeah, there was there was one there was one time, and I remember it was a Sunday morning. So I had I had come up from London, especially for this practice. I might add, <laughs> Sunday morning. So travelled travelled best part of five hundred miles. Um, not that I'm counting. Uh, I, I forgot what happened that morning, but it's just come back. <laughs> and we were standing outside the British Legion in Carnoustie, yeah. in Carnoustie that you'd said you, you knew someone who knew someone who had the keys for this hall that we could go to practice in. Paul didn't bother turning up because he didn't think it was uh, no, worth his while. No, no. <laughs> so it was uh, me, Craig and Ross standing outside this 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 hall and the door wasn't open we couldn't get in and then you were like okay i'll just i'll, I'll phone the person i can't remember i'll, I'll call her margaret for for i do i can't remember so yeah we'll call her margaret I'll, I'll phone margaret oh no i don't have margaret's phone number i'll email her i'm like <laughs> <laughs> it's like half nine on half nine on a sunday morning email her we've, we've only got like two hours for practice <laughs> i'm like what's the response time of an email <laughs> on sunday morning so you you fire off your email <laughs> and i'm like maybe we should have a plan b <laughs> like, so um yeah peter white to the rescue i think i think my dad came to the rescue yeah he plan did. b here's he the did. keys to the double tree theater yeah practice in there so i think we had i think by the time that all that kerfuffle has had kind of sorted out we were Sorry. Uh, I think I think we'd only had you know we only had like forty minutes left or half an hour left because I was I basically was on a train to London at twelve yeah. noon or something like that. I have to say I'd forgotten I'd forgotten that I'd done that. Um, my um, <laughs> I hadn't. <laughs> I, I do remember that as well. It was because was... I remember I remember when we finally got into practice. Um, it was the kind of classic um, practice thing when you're like, okay, we've only got half an hour, so we had a set list. And you just started reeling them off and you were like, oh, that one, that'll, that'll be fine. That'll be fine. I'm like, no, it won't be fine. I've never played them before. <laughs> like, it's incredible, though, that I felt the most effective way for us to get in, into that building that day was to send the email. <laughs> Amazing. Not one of my finer ideas. Um, so we, did, we then headed off, like, you know, uh, and I, I, I promised you that there'd be time for a practice once we arrived in DC as well, because oh, well, I, I, Mark, you promised me multiple times. <laughs> yeah, Mark, there'll definitely, definitely be time. Like, don't worry about it, man. Like, it'll be fine. So, Paul and Ali and I travelled together, and then, yeah. and Ross and Mark, did you travel separately, or were you together? Uh, no, no, we, we travelled together because yeah, I, I very much remember getting to Heathrow 
and meeting Ross in Terminal 5. In the Witherspoons, Spo- right? At Spoons, of uh, course. Yeah, always, at Spoons. Always. Uh, and um, I remember the first thing that we we said was like, I, I, I was like, hey, whatever, obviously. I was like, hey, let's get coffee or whatever. And then the first thing mm. that we, we said was, I've, I've just checked checked my basin of the borrowed base, the Graham's base. And and Ross, you were like, oh, you'll have, you'll have remembered to detune the strings. And I was like, oh, no, it was the first time I'd ever travelled interna- on a plane with a stringed instrument before. And you were like, of course, you've, you've, you've detuned all the strings. And I was like, nope, nope. So off this base goes into like, I don't know what they keep the hold in, on an airplane minus something that's not good for instrument. I, ha- I have to say, though, that when, when we got on the other side uh, in America, I opened the case and this well, this was this was a cheap base. This was like Graham's Argos, my, my first, first base. base yeah. <laughs> yeah. And to be fair to this thing, absolutely in tune, like to the exact, you know, frequency, the, the exact hertz. It was like spot on in tune. It was impressive, actually. <laughs> it was, it was thing. Ali and Paul and I had an interesting one because we were flying to DC via Brussels. We arrived into Brussels full of joy and hope for what was going to come next uh, and found out that our flight was delayed by something like five hours, at which point we proceeded to find the closest seats to the well-labeled sign beer bar. Um, and, and, and so I suppose at that point we decided it would be wise when in, when in, uh, when in Brussels and all that, you know, um, indulge in the in the Belgian beers. Ali, that was an interesting experience, it has to be said. It was, because like uh, like Mark was saying, it was his first time travelling uh, with a bass guitar. Uh, not only that, but on a transatlantic flight, whereas it was my first time on a transatlantic flight after downing three Belgian beers. <laughs> the yeah. pint glasses are, are a fair bit more than pints, I would say. Yeah, they were, they were, they were big. Uh, False advertising uh, of the best kind. Yeah. By the time, by the time that we were jumping on that flight from Brussels to Washington, we were a bit merry. That has to be said. It was uh, an interesting one. I, I just remember Ali suffering the whole way. <laughs> I was waiting to say because I was I was sitting by myself on the way out. Was I not? I don't know. I think I was, and I, I remember experiencing being drunk, and then having a hangover, and then. Almost want to die, you know. Like, By the time that we arrived into DC, like Ali looked like death warmed up, man. Like he really. He really I mean, it is one bit of advice I would say to anybody who suffers from a condition that messes with your stomach: do not have gassy beer, but right before a transatlantic flight, because even if the flight is late at night, you will be up and down every twenty minutes. That was a long flight. That was. We arrived into DC. And, well, I do remember us meeting Ross with a van and it being like, yeah, this is good, this is it, this is the van, this is our tour van for the next week, let's do this. We then went off to Alexandria. I mean, to- I mean, the bit with the van's got to be noted as well because we came out of the airport, <clears throat> so we were, what, five, six hours ahead of you, something like that? Yeah. And we came yeah. out of the airport, went to the rental place. And they were like, oh, there's a row of vans there, just go and help yourself. So, you know, we dutifully walked up and Mark put his huge bass guitar case in every single one of them and went, it fits this one best, we're having this one. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we drive in, jump in this massive 
well, they call it a minivan. Like it was what seven seaters, eight seats, something like that. It, it, we say van only because, in comparison to our standards, it was a van. Yeah, it was yeah, like exactly. a, a regular soccer mom mobile. <laughs> it was exactly yeah. that. Yeah. So, so, so we get in this, and I'm and I'm driving, and this is the first time I've driven on the wrong side of the road in the US in this like small town sized van. Yeah. And you know, we head straight for the center of DC at kind of like 4.35 o'clock rush hour. And all I remember is there were just like five lanes of traffic in every direction and trying to turn, I don't know, right when I should have been turning left or something like that and just utter carnage. And trying to park as well. That was an absolute nightmare. Absolutely. You did an incredible... It went around in so many circles. You you put in some shift though, like you 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 did a pretty incredible job as as designated driver that week. Oh, thank you. Cheers. So you no, know it was quite fun actually. Sure. Once I got yeah. used to it. So we then headed into Alexandria because that's where we're going to be playing our first show. And Alexandria came about because Dundee is twinned with Alexandria. They have their twinning committee stuff, their sister cities committee. Um, and so you know it was a great opportunity for us to go out and I suppose warm up for the bigger shows that were to come a nice opportunity for mark to bed in a bit after all the rehearsal time that he'd had i remember though us arriving at that first gig um in alexandria and there was no pa system and i said to the guy like well, we got the pa stuff he's like you need you need a pa system you need you need pa I'm like yeah man like we can't play a gig without a pa system and remember, he didn't. There was no mics, like mic stands or anything. They, were, they had to go yeah, and didn't have anything, did they? They went and bought stuff. There was a grand piano. That was it, right? <laughs> there was yeah, it was. Yeah. Ali's worst nightmare: no sound. Yeah, exactly. Like like Craig says, they actually went out and bought the stuff because I remember thinking, like, the one thing I'm here for is to help with sound, and like I literally cannot do anything. And then the boy turned up with like cardboard boxes and plastic bags and everything <laughs> like that. And I'm like unpackaging mic stands, brand new, and I kind of thought surely we should be taking these home like if you haven't buy them for us because I, I i remember i remember pre- previous to us actually going to the gig venue you were you were saying again like i i know that you've not practiced yet mark but it's fine because we're going to get into the gig venue two hours beforehand this is un- <laughs> unprecedented we never we never do this we we go two we're going to go two hours beforehand we're going to get everything set up and we're going to run through our entire set and then you, you're just going to be able to do everything because that's that's cool. Like you'll have all your practice. And I was like, yeah, that's going to be great. Great. Got there. Nothing. Nothing. Absolutely. Overall. <laughs> I'll never forget your face when you realised that that was it. You were not getting any rehearsal time. And, and and to make it worse, to make it worse, I remember that when they they somehow pulled out the miracle and they got the PA system. Um, that is some form of miracle. Oh yeah. Definitely. De- definitely. I remember they got it all set up. It, it was a small PA system. It was, you know, it was small speakers. We got them all set up and everything. I remember plugging the bass in uh, into the, the console, basically, you know, DI. And then I remember first, you know, big, big moment, like first, oh. first time playing a gig across the pond sitting there with my bass i remember plucking a string and it sounded exactly like a fart <laughs> through this fear <PA> system <laughs> tiny little tiny little speakers <laughs> big bass going through it just it was sounded it just distorted instantly <laughs> i was like ali help help <laughs> yeah um i do remember though that the the gig turned out to be brilliant like the people i know that 
the people over there message us regularly and tell us like you guys need to come back you need to come play out like it was so great to like you know to have you guys here and it's a really it was a really fun gig to play and actually mark actually managed to play through the gig as well he actually made it which was quite impressive to be honest i i just want to i want to put myself out there and be vulnerable and say i did make a mistake though <laughs> one time I made a mistake, probably multiple times, but I made one. I went, made one big mistake. It was most of the way through the gig. I was I, I was in comfort mode by then. I was you know I was yeah. going along, and then you said to me, "Mark, it's time to play Lock Lomond," and this was one that I hadn't I hadn't even kind of practiced. So so we we kick off, and I I can't remember exactly how it starts. Paul, so it's just me that starts it. I think with Paul. Yeah, 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 and then and then the bass comes in a few bars in and I confidently pluck my note and it was in the completely wrong key. <laughs> I had two keys to choose from and it was in the completely wrong key. Looked over to Ross because that's just what I do when things go, <laughs> go wrong. And Ross is doing that that thing where he's, he's trying to show me the, the, the frets <laughs> and you probably had a cap on as well. So I'm trying to transpose, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to transpose in my head, like what, what on earth is going on and trying to try to think about it. I'm just like, just turn, turn my bass down. Turn the volume down. Turn, turn the, the bass down. down. Keep on smiling. Keep on, keep on plucking, plucking away. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> I got through it. <laughs> that little songbook that you had at your feet for every gig served you really pretty well, though. It has to be said as well. Oh, oh it, things would have things would have gone a lot worse if I hadn't had my little my little cheat sheet there. <laughs> a little cheat sheet. So what I would say about the Alexander gig though was that the when we turned up and there was nothing, it was almost like this gig's going to be absolutely rubbish. But it actually turned out to be really good because we weren't really expecting anything after that, if you know what I mean. Yeah. It turned out to be like a very good night because of we were thinking, oh my god, this is gonna be a disaster. Yeah, it was a belter. Like they kept wanting to, just wanted to keep playing, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. I love it. Uh, you're basically saying your expectations were so low that it was just it, it turned out to be a good night because I was expecting nothing. <laughs> it was like that though. It was one of the gigs though where we could play all night and they would mm. like still be up for it and wanting more. Yeah. Mm. Having said that, I don't know if Mark could have played all night because I think his anxiety only went so far. Is that the first or second night in Alexandria? So uh, that, was, second, that was second, 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 second night. Second. Because we, we went to an we went we went to an Irish bar, of course, because yeah. So, <laughs> so the first night, remember, Ali, mm. we when we arrived, we got taken for food and. Both me and you were very bloated and we couldn't actually eat what we put in front of us. And I, I, I just remember the pair of us thinking, oh my God, like, I cannot eat what, what, what I've actually ordered. But because it's not, because it's paid for, I was like, right, okay, I'm going to try my best and I'm going to try and fork as much food as I can in my mouth. I think that first night when we went to like the Irish bar and stuff, we had gone through having those Belgian beers yeah. suffering from them the transatlantic flight and then arrived into alexandria and the lovely people that they are said come on we'll take you out and we're like oh geez right okay time difference knackered okay and that that first night i don't know how i got back to uh john's where i was staying because we all kind of said oh we'll walk back and i remember thinking like leaving you guys at one point and walking over a bridge and going I have no idea where I'm going. <laughs> yeah, I've I'm, never been here before. I have no idea. I've gone from being drunk to hungover to tired. And now I'm to drunk. lost. <laughs> and now I'm lost in a city. I don't know where I'm going. Well, the one thing that still 
sticks with me. And this lady had come over to me and said, you know, I need, I have got a question for you. I need to ask you, how do, how do you cope? How do, how do you feel being a teacher and, and not having a gun? And I was like, like, USA, USA. I don't know how I reacted to it, but that question still amazes me to this day. Yes. Yeah, so to go back to Ali's point, um, we were very, very kindly um, put up by members of the Alexandria Sister Cities Committee. Shout um, out to Maureen, John, Maureen, 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 and, Eric. and Eric, who were all incredible um, hosts for us during our time there. And we learned um, in the last couple of weeks that John very, very sadly passed away last year. So we also, we, we do need to mention that we want to, if, if there is anyone in Alexandria listening, we, um, we were very saddened by the news when we, when we learned that John had passed. And um, albeit a year late, send our condolences to his family because he was an absolute gentleman, as were all of the um, hosts and people on the committee. Um, Ali, I know that you stayed with John. Do you, like, do you have anything you want to add to that? Yeah, um, I remember, do you know, it's one of these things now that we, we learned that he actually sadly passed away. When, he, when I left his house, he actually gave me his business card and was like, you know, keep in touch. And it's one of these things now that I've learned he's no longer here that I always wish, and I probably forever will wish that I did just send him an email just once because mm. I never got around to it. But I remember the first night of staying at his, he had a really cool house. It was like three levels in a terraced house overlooking a wee bit of water. It was beautiful. So I took a photo and that night that I got really drunk, that was the only way I could make my way home because I remembered roughly what the street looked like because of that photo. But he said, um, in the morning, what do you want for breakfast? And I was like, look, John, like, I'll eat anything. And I'm really not fussy. Honestly, it'll be fine. I woke up the next day to him making like three different types of eggs, fresh coffee, orange juice. And I sat for about two hours listening to his stories of how he used to be a lawyer and all this and his sailing and everything like that. And he, he was just full of stories. He was uh, a really great guy, actually. And that day we went sightseeing where he told Ross, <laughs> well, we lost That's him. Incredible. We, we lost him for a wee bit, to be fair, as well. When we went uh, yeah, the other day, we had, yeah, we'd left Maureen's place, and and he said, "Oh yeah, just just follow me." And he, and he went and sped off. <laughs> and was gone. We we ended up back at Maureen's. Like, can you call John? Because we have totally lost the guy. Like he's and gone. Do you, do you know what? His his driving was funny because he he obviously he's lived in Alexandria for however long he lived there. But the first night when or the first day when he. I was staying with John and Josh was staying with uh, whoever it was. So John took me and Josh in his car and he said, what I'll do is I'll drop Josh off at this person's house. But John didn't know where the house was. <laughs> he just roughly knew what the street looked like and the house looked like. So me, Josh and John were in his car for genuinely must have been about two, three hours driving around Alexandria. And every half hour I'd go, John, do you want me to just like get Google Maps? And I'll, I'll phone Craig, we'll get the address. And he's like, no, 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 I know the house. It's okay. So me and Josh are sitting there like, okay, we'll uh, just continue driving around the residential areas of Alexandria till we find it. <laughs> and I mean, it was about three hours, I think. There were some absolutely priceless stories with, with, with John. Yeah. He was absolutely brilliant. And you, you have told the story there, but, you know, that day when we were out um, 
in front of the, in front of the White House, um, of all places. All these lanes of traffic that Ross has alluded to already, flying past in all sorts of directions, and John turns to Ross and utter the absolutely mort- immortal, immortal line. <laughs> yeah, the, the immortal line. Hey, hey Ross, uh, make a Yui. Uh, Ross, um, what was what going, was going through, through your mind? Yeah. <laughs> I'm told to do a Yui. Any for your thoughts, sir? <laughs> I mean, I was trying to admire the view and look at the White House and all this kind of thing, and then all of a sudden I'm snapped back to reality, like, oh, how? Like, I'm in the furthest right-hand lane or whatever it was, and I need to get across the furthest left-hand lane, and and, and my brain just turned itself upside down. Secret Service would be on to you if you tried to pull that kind of manoeuvre in front of the White House. Yeah, yeah, pre- pretty much, pretty much. I don't know how it worked out, but I feel like it actually was pretty easy in the end. I don't know if we just got lucky at some junctions and I just got away from some traffic or something. I think it, it probably is easy if you put your foot down to like 50 miles an hour and do a massive U-turn in probably one of the most secure blocks in the whole of America. Yeah, I think that might have happened. <clears throat> we had... Um, we ended up having, for whatever reason, seats in the van that we naturally just migrated to. We all sat in the same seat for the whole the whole week. And I'd, I mean, I didn't Mark, have any option, did I? Well, <laughs> too, yeah. Mark was sat alongside me, and I remember turning to Mark in Mark's face of like, what? He just asked him to make a Huey? And then I turned back, and there was Ali and Paul in the back whose faces were equally like, what the f-? Like, it was brilliant. Um, there was also the, the one... Um, at the time when he took us out to the, the Lincoln Theatre, the theatre where Abraham Lincoln was shot. And I remember him parking up, or he instructed you to park up, Ross. There was and, nowhere to park. <laughs> so, so, so you guys parked up at the side of the road. And he said to us, so you guys, you, you just go right on in. Just, just go right on in, uh, and I'll, we'll be waiting here, right? So... For whatever reason, we didn't even think to look at the masses of queues that there were at the, thr- at the front of the theatre. We followed Wise John's decision and just went right on in. And I remember us standing there and Paul going, oh, this is really cool. I'm going to take a photo of this. And he, he put his so close to taking the picture. Put his phone yeah. up to get the picture oh. right as the guy was like, you guys, out." Like you're out. Like you just look at all the people that are queued up outside. <laughs> and the funny thing is, I I actually had a picture that was like a smudged picture of the whole thing. But for some reason, that's the only picture I don't have anymore. I must have deleted it. Yeah, it was. I felt so bad about it. <laughs> John John was certainly a character, but I know that you boys had um, Ross and Mark. You guys had an interesting night or two with Eric as well. I mean, I mean, I would love to tell some anecdotes about it, but I can't remember. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I mean, my, my, my most vivid memory of Eric is the night after the gig. Uh, I think we went to Irish Bar after the gig, and then we went back to Eric's house. And, you know, we were kind of like tired and had a few drinks and all that kind of thing. And then he pulls out this bottle of whiskey, but that's, it was so that's big. That's all that I can remember. It was that, so yeah. big, it had two handles on either side. <laughs> yes. I mean, this thing must have been two and a half litres, something like that, three litres of whiskey. It, it, was, it was like the, the water bottles that they have in water coolers in offices that yes, they turn upside that, down and plonk on like for that. <laughs> there you go. There two big, massive handles. You need, to, then, you need to hoist up like the UEFA cup. <laughs> that yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> and, you know, he proceeded to pour us a couple, and we had a couple, and I think he must have had, like, two for every one we had um <laughs> i think you told the story that the morning that we were leaving to head on to asbury <laughs> park the next stop on our tour 
he didn't surface. Like he, you didn't get. No, I mean, and we, it was late. Night, it was late as well. Oh, yeah, we the were... night the night before, we were, we were like, oh yeah, we'll get up, you know, whatever mm. time, we'll get some breakfast, and then we'll then you know you can get. He, he was like, I'll get you an Uber down to get your car and stuff. Great. So we, I think, Mark and I got up at like I don't know whatever time. Give ourselves I, like an hour whatever time we were planning on getting up. It was yeah, like yeah. two hour, two or three hours after that. <laughs> yeah. Like so I, anyway, we but we got to the point where we were like, right, we we actually have to go. We need to pick hmm. you guys up. So you know, I yeah. got us an Uber and stuff, and I just text Eric and I was like, dude, thanks for your thanks for your uh, hospitality, but we've got to go. And what was it? Maybe like when we stopped for lunch, about four hours later, he texted me back and he was like, I've just woken up, man. <laughs> just like, I, like wow. Yeah. You guys definitely were late because I was doing my usual. I was champing at the bit to get out yeah. on the road and to get moving because I knew that we were obviously on the time scale, like in order mm. to be like sound checked and sorted for the show in Asbury Park. Um, and yeah, you guys, <laughs> you guys had even just been like, "Don't even ask." Like we just, <laughs> <laughs> it was like we we're alive. Gentle night whiskey, yeah. But yeah, those the people could not have been more friendly and kind to us um, in so Alexandria. Good. And absolutely, we will return at some point in the future to, to entertain the people there all over again. Maybe with a slightly bigger PA system, right? <laughs> yeah, one that doesn't just no fire in the face. Like, <laughs> it would be worth them. Um, yeah, we, we, we should really mention that on our, uh, our rider next time. Yeah. <laughs> bigger PA system, no farting base. Um, so we got on our merry way onwards to uh, Asbury Park, I do remember us driving into Asbury Park. So Kyle, it was Kyle that got us to that gig, right? Kyle Dawson, who obviously has now been on the podcast, um, he fixed us up the gig because he knew that we were trying to do a bit of a run of shows in some different cities and different places. And, and because it was somewhat en route for us, I didn't even think to really look into Asbury Park as a place, right? Um, obviously, you guys, Mark and Ross, were really familiar with the name at least because Springsteen. Springsteen. it's synonymous with yeah. I do remember arriving into uh, Asbury Park and looking around and going wow this looks like an interesting place Josh um, Josh was the only one who had um, data or whatever on his phone Josh can you can you google Asbury Park right so that we can find out a little bit about it and and he did that and proceeded to inform us that it has the highest serious crime rate per square meter in the whole of the US. That was like our welcome to Asbury Park. I, I, I think the I think the line that, that that someone said wasn't, oh, this looks like an interesting place. I think someone said, this looks like this looks like San Andreas. GTA yeah. San Andreas. I I genuinely thought I was like a wind up or something like that. And it wasn't until we got till the venue. And then the guy behind the bar or something like that was like, oh, did you hear, like, we were on the news the other day. And we we're like, oh, brilliant. That's really cool. What for? Yeah, yeah. It was a drive-by shooting across the road. And yeah, I was like, it was like, it was like qu quadruple homicide or triple homicide. Something like that, yeah. Qu quintuple? I don't know. It was like, it was too much anyway. <laughs> it, was, it was more than one. <laughs> there was too many sides in one. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Yeah, and you know what? It was funny that trip to Asbury Park. So before the gig as well, remember we went to that pizza shop, and we were <laughs> like, you know "What, right? We'll just order that pizza and that pizza, and we'll get the biggest size possible." And we all sat down at the table, and it came, and the pizza was about seven hundred degrees. <laughs> and it was about I don't know four foot long. It was massive. Remember, and we were all trying to shuffle the <laughs> yeah. pizza in our mouth. 
before the gig. I'm not being funny, but we all must have ended up with a burnt mouth. Put it that way. There was enough pizza there to fill my living room. Genuinely, it was like there was so much pizza. Like, but the gig venue itself in Asbury Park could not have been more different from the venue that we played in. In, in Alexandria, um, not least the fact that it is an actual music venue, right? But it was really cool to, to hear, like, the history of the venue, the same, um, while, while we're there and, while, like, sort of getting organised for the show because it's a venue that bands like the Ramones had played, Kings of Leon and stuff, like, when they were coming through the ranks um, uh, and sort of finding their feet. So there's a lot, of, a lot of really cool history in the place. I do remember it felt really cool playing Blitzkrieg Bop that night because... <laughs> Obviously, the, the Ramones had had a bit of a history at the Saint and stuff. I remember. I remember that as well, Craig, because it wasn't on the set list um, beforehand. Because <laughs> you, you you had quite, yeah, like when you walked in, you'd seen the Ramones posters, spoken to a guy behind the bar, and, you know, you'd seen the, like, the Ramones had played there. So you were like, yeah, we're playing, we're playing Black Screen Bop tonight. And I was like, I don't know it. And you were like, no, but we're playing it tonight. <laughs> I was like, oh, all right, okay, we're playing it tonight, are we? <laughs> Quick, <Not> Google. Ultimate guitar chords. Now, this episode is not painting me in the in the best light. You know, I start off by when urgently needing to get in touch with someone, emailing them this Monday morning, and now I give you no rehearsal time, and then started throwing random random stuff into the set as well. <laughs> Oh man, um, what what are your memories of the of the actual gig at, um, in Asbury Park at the Saint? Terror, sheer terror, just going. Oh my God, Blitzkrieg Pop's coming up in three numbers time. I'm just. Oh no, <laughs> no, I'm I'm joking. I'm joking. It was uh, it was fantastic. I really enjoyed that gig. Yeah, proper little really like cool. dive bar kind of thing, but it was awesome. It was very much like that. Yeah, it's also the first time that anyone has been on a stage with Gladrick and not worn a kilt because you whipped out there. You whipped out the yes. top. that night, Mark? I, I, I do remember that because I remember when I put them on and I walked into the lift and Paul looked at me and thought, and he was like, that's a bloody good idea. I might, <laughs> I might, I might do that. I might do that. And Craig just went, no, you know, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was just so nice to go from the kind of like sublime to the ridiculous of having like no PA system the night before to having like... Mm. You know, uh, full backline. You know, choice of amps, choice of everything. It was, it was really nice, and actually, just playing a show without having to think about that stuff. Yeah, we had a hell of a night that night when we went out in Asbury Park too. It has, it has to be oh said. Yeah, it was probably one of the best nights of the tour for me. Anyway. Yeah, we. I, I do remember us like wandering about in our kilts though, and being swiftly told. It's not safe for you to be wandering the streets of Asbury Park and almost advertising the fact that you are not a local. But that was probably the best part of it. What? What? The the, the danger. It turned in like an opposite kind of spiral, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. That is also the night <clears throat> where drudling was invented, Mark. <laughs> yeah. What, what a game. game that is. What a game, Mark. What were your memories of? Drudling. Okay, so to 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 set the scene a little bit, this was a a bar that we'd heard about across from the gig venue, a few streets across from the gig venue, um, and we and we went in, and it was it was a hipster bar. You could tell it was a hipster bar because everything was served in jars, and that's cool. That's cool. Hipster hipsters have good beer. It's all good. So we we grabbed. Remember the pub was like 
upstairs it was like the smallest pub ever and we didn't realize there was a downstairs to it. Yeah, so like we, we were asking we were asking the people and they were they were saying that this bar has has basically a, a secret network of underground tunnels um connecting up all the different like was it three or four different bars in the area? Yeah. And I was like, I was like, why? Like why? Why why it's like cool, but like why have you done it? And they were like tax reasons because <laughs> because it, it counted as one venue so they didn't have to pay all the different tax <laughs> for the multiple venues but it, it i mean like, fair, fair, fair play you avoid tax but it was, it was superb venue so we went down downstairs and we seen this 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 table i don't it was a kind of hybrid of a curling and it was a hybrid of like kind of um air hockey mm, and yeah. i i can't i can't even remember like it had a bit, I suppose, it had a bit of a beer pong element because it was like a long, long table yeah. uh, to it as well. I can't, I'm not gonna lie, I can't even remember the, the the rules of the game, but it was it was basically like you had to you you threw like your hockey puck type thing, and you had to you had to get it in the circle, and if you got it in the circle, the other person just had to drink all their beer. I, I remember it being a fantastic game. Though. <laughs> yeah, one to five one one games that everybody was drunk that it kind of worked for everybody. Yeah. Everyone had their own rules, and that was fine. Was I remember this game that well, I don't remember it an awful lot, but I remember it vaguely. But I was, I think I would like be at the bar or something like that, and then someone would say, Oh, it's your turn. So I'd come over and not have a clue what was going on, throw something, and then, Oh, it's three sips. All right, all right, <laughs> no idea. Just keep we going. Did, we, ha- we did agree though that Drudlin was best pronounced in a posh Edinburgh accent. Drudlin. Exactly like that. The funniest part of the drudling, though, right, was we're standing there doing the drudling, right? And in this hipster bar, in our kilts, right? Or my, I was in my kilt, like having just played the show. So in a kilt, hipster bar, invented this game called drudling. And suddenly I was like, that's 500 miles. That, oh, that was me. That was oh, me. That, <laughs> Like he, because because in in the background there was yeah. um there was a karaoke going on yeah. and it was like you know it was you know American guys that were pretending to be Eminem and they're all going yo yo mom mom spaghetti and I'm like no nah, I'm, I'm not having this I'm not having this so I was like let's let's put on 500 miles and of course all of us were in our kilts apart from me in my tartan trues. Um, and then I basically grabbed everyone, grabbed all the mics and everything. And then, then all of a sudden, like we're all there, you know, six or seven rows. And then there was the other people as well doing 500 miles. And obviously the Americans loved it. Oh my, oh my God, Scotsman, 500 miles. <laughs> Cause it's a famous song over in America as well, isn't it? Yeah, they, they, they definitely loved it. Um, and then we leaving from there again, we're, we're walking home. And at that point, our friend Pam, uh, told us get in the car, get in the car. You guys are not walking around here in your kilt. Recently, recently, Ali and I found a video of us in that car. I say us. Ross is not in that car. Um, there are Pam and Georgia in the front. Myself, Paul, and Ali in the in the back seat, and Mark in the footwell, lying across um, all of us. Uh, and I, I, I mean, we've had some controversy on this podcast, but I don't even know if we can even repeat any of the, any of the lines of that video, Ali. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think we can. It ranges from uh, beep, sausage fest. <laughs> yeah, sausage fest. If, yeah. If, if, we, if, we, if we put the video in, there would be a lot of beeps, like Mark said. <laughs> uh, there's a dream catcher at one dream point. Catcher, yeah. 
I think uh, Pam offers one of us to stay in our car. Yeah. Point. Uh, I obviously it flashed accidentally, accidentally as I was getting in the car as well. Yep, they saw your penis. Let's put it brutally. Um, I can't remember. What, there's about 17 different things happen within what is it, 20 seconds? It's the funniest little video, man. Like I don't, I remember the night that we found it, and we were crying, like weren't we? The two of us were crying with laughter when we found that video. Have you guys seen it? Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah I've seen, <laughs> seen this transcript as well. Yeah. yeah. Ali, Ali's wonderful transcript. Yeah. Yeah. And so from there, um, we headed from Asbury Park onwards to New York. Via Philly at the, Philly at the, um, Philly for lunch. Oh, yeah. Right. Those Philly yeah. cheesesteaks were pretty phenomenal, it has to be where, said. Where was that? Where was that? I don't remember that. Was it not just a, a service station, Ross? It's like a yeah, yeah. truck yeah. stop or whatever you call it. Yeah, just outside. You know, what? you know what? I I I do remember that truck stop because that was when I realised the um the, the American kind of attitude towards coffee because I was I went into Starbucks for the first time in in the US and I remember standing behind <laughs> the customer like soccer mom. Oh, oh hey there hey there um can I go for a a, a kind of double skinny half calf soy pumpkin. So, soy spiced um semi-dry caramel chai latte with the bland roast beans to go and i was like jesus christ and the, the person behind the the, the till was just like yeah yeah sure no problem no problem <laughs> like and I, I go up and ask for a black coffee and she's like what what, what, <laughs> what about the customization <laughs> thing is they have the, they have the, that's when i realized they have that same attitude but towards calories <laughs> in the Philly cheesesteak where it's like yeah, yeah we'll, we'll put, fill it with some uh, beef and some cheese and then we'll put some extra beef and some extra cheese just, and then we'll <laughs> melt it all as well and to top off we'll put cheese on top of all that just to make sure it's fine tastes good though <laughs> it was really good so we headed on to New York and the first thing that we did in New York was actually we got rid of the wagon did we not yeah, yeah we the van the wagon. Right. Yeah. After, after us destroying the biggest bag of crisps that you've, that you've ever seen. <laughs> a 10-gallon bag. <laughs> when, when we bought that, it was like an actual sack of like potato chip snacks. And <laughs> it was a sack of tacks, that's what it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, our aim was that we had to have it finished by the time we hit New York. And we, we did a pretty good job, it has to be said, but we didn't quite get there. RIP to the bag of potato, to the sack Arteries were harmed. <laughs> Absolutely, they were. Yeah, the first thing we did in New York was actually to play a Kabbalistic cavalry show. And what? I do remember that was at the at Connolly's upstairs. Yep. And a- we, another Irish bar. <laughs> it's a tour playing, of Irish bars, isn't it? Gotta love the Irish bars. We were playing on the bill with um, Vera Kay, who are obviously a, a really cool young band as well out there. Um, I remember arriving in a shirt and you and Ross in that shirt's horrendous. You look, like an, <laughs> you look like an ice cream seller and it also makes you look fat. So just FYI, dinner. Yeah, sorry, Craig. I just had to knock you down a couple of pegs before you started off. I was like, cheers, Ross. Love you too, man. Like, that's, that's what a wonderful compliment. I do remember I was struggling to, I was really concerned about singing that night because for whatever reason, my, my voice was horrendous. I remember this is the only time I've ever had to do this. I stood gargling water in the toilets for a good half hour before we went on to play that gig but it was a fun little gig it has to be said like it was obviously very different from Gliadric and that's the way that the Kabbalistic cover is like because they're different projects but it was it was one of the better 
cabalistic cavalry kind of gigs that we've that we've played. Definitely, it was really fun. As as I remember it though, there was no need for you to worry about your um your vocals because we had a guest vocalist that night uh, in Ali. Two or three. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that was incredible. Like obviously. <laughs> What you you tell the story, Mike, because you you were on the other side of it. I, I just I just remember we'd been. I mean, like I'd obviously gotten gotten the taste for being on stage after having played a couple of shows, and we had been we'd been watching you for I don't know half an hour or something, and it was it was coming up to the end of the set, and it was you know it was coming up to the the bit where you would just go a bit crazy or something. And I I think it was a uh, with a little help, from my, with a little help, a little from, help my from my friends, and you know, it just—it's an instruction, basically. It's an instruction for your friends to get up on stage and help you. And I was like, right. And Georgia was was coming out. Obviously, Georgia's a phenomenal singer, and 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 that would have meant if if me and Georgia went on, then Ali would be left alone. So we could do that because it's with a little help from from your friends. We grabbed Ali on as well, and there's definitely video footage and. It sounds like a cat getting strangled. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I mean, I will fully 100% put my hands up and say I cannot think. And <laughs> I now know why. And that that night, I think that in fact the guy who was doing the sound at that venue burned the mic off. <laughs> <laughs> I spoke to him at the start, and I was like, "Oh, I'm here with the band, you know, touring, blah blah blah." And he's like, "Yeah, you're not doing the sound tonight." And I was like. Well, <laughs> I'm only here for one thing. Like, this is what I do. And I've done much worse things. So don't worry. He's like, no, genuinely, you're not doing it. And I was like, oh, all right. Well, f you then. I'll go get drunk. So <laughs> I, I never end up on a stage. And then turns out I do if I'm very, very drunk. <laughs> and then yeah. when, when Mark and Georgia drag you onto the stage and say, you know, you've got to sing this one, <laughs> then I'm going to give it 110% on this one. Yeah, you did. Yeah, we were I, sh along. I should have given you a tambourine. <laughs> we were along so neatly on that uh, on that song too, and then if Mark is describing his bass as a fart, <laughs> basically the equivalent of Ali farting into the mic for the last couple. Of I, I would say it was more like chronic diarrhea, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would give you that. I'll, yeah, I'm, I'm open to that as being a possibility for sure. <laughs> that was the Thursday, and then we didn't. We, we didn't play an actual gig again until the Saturday. What did we do on the Friday? Did we go to the Cayley? You played Friday, the, we did Bryant Park and we went and did the, the teaching thing at school. So, so Connolly's is the night where I ended up leaving um, my card in the bar. And I had to report there on the Friday morning to get my card back because yeah. I left it in the bar. Yeah. Um, did I you not leave you another card in another bar as well that night? Uh, yeah. Not the same night. Yeah. I don't think. No, it was. It was the other Irish bar beside the hotel that you left your other card in. Yeah, well, fair enough. Um, yeah, I made a good habit of that, obviously. I remember going, getting my card, getting back to the hotel, and then you were still in bed, and it was like, we've got a gig, like, Ross, Ross, like, we, we need to go. Um, yeah, the, that was possibly up there with the most hungover you've been playing a gig, although Germany does count for that as well. You know what? It was fine by the time we got outside. It was just the thought of getting up was horrendous. So Friday was kind of, there was little bits and pieces going on, but we, we took it as a chill day in order to be kind of set for Saturday's carnage. And that's really the only way that you could describe it, um, Saturday's carnage. And so obviously we've spoken a lot about Tartan Week on this podcast up to this point, but um, we'd, we'd played BB Kings the year before, and it was obviously a great honour to have been asked back because it's not you know, with festivals, with these kind of events, they have to rotate their lineup. They, they can't book the same acts 
year on year. So for us to have gotten the call two years in a row to go out and do that show at, at, at a venue like BB Kings. And actually, BB Kings closed very, very shortly after that performance. And so yeah. we actually were one of the last bands to play BB Kings in Times Square, which is actually insane. Um, Mark, what was your memories of BB of Kings? Because you didn't do the first one with us. So like, that was an, that's an incredible place to play, right? So I had, I had been there probably three years previously purely just because I wanted to visit. Like, literally what you were to say, like, I was yeah. eating there and thinking, ah, oh, this would be such a cool place to play. This would be, like, this is this is a goddamn gig venue. Like, and obviously never, never... And there's a PA. That I, and there's a, there's a damn PA there. <laughs> like, that's what dreams are made of. Oh no, it was it was a it was a fantastic gig. Um, I think the it was sweetened a little bit as well by I, I suppose for context, this was a gig after the Tartan Day parade. So there was oh best part of a thousand people. I don't know, a thousand people there or something. Get give like maybe more I don't, more, I don't yeah, know. Like, a bit more, yeah. Yeah, like fifteen hundred or something. Um kind of sellout gig. There was there was there was free beer and whiskey for the the people in the in the gig put on by the the brewery i can't remember which one glenn live Bellhaven. Bellhaven. um so everyone was everyone was very merry um and it was the the gig was sweetened a little bit by the fact that we got the news that uh graham got engaged about yeah. what about an hour before we went on yeah, I remember us being in a bar that afternoon, and, and and then one of us seen it on social media, and it was I like, think, I think we were at the gig. I think because we were like, round of whiskeys, everyone, round of whiskeys. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the poor guy, like we had the, the guy Fabrizio, who was basically yeah. our, our butler of sorts, right? And anytime we wanted it, Fabrizio, Fabrizio, <laughs> can you get us seven pints of Bellhaven, seven whiskeys, and whatever you have. <laughs> it was it was definitely later in the day that we found out because you had written out the set list. And I remember I had a copy at front of the house sitting on the sound desk. And then we'd found out about Graham and your idea was that whatever song it was, we'll all take a shot of whiskey as a sort of congratulations. Yeah. I went and wrote it on my set list to remember <laughs> to take a shot of whiskey. And I had it sitting beside the <laughs> desk. So the guy in charge of sound for BB Kings is standing right beside me. He made the wee speech that Graham got engaged and all of that. So I went and grabbed the whiskey and took a shot of the whiskey. And genuinely, the guy beside me looked like I just shot his mother. Like, what is all this about? Like, what is going on? <laughs> the face that you the pull when you're, like, telling that story, the, the guy's face is absolutely brilliant. Oh, it's hilarious. Yeah, it's, it was, it's an incredible place to play. And we said recently on the, on the episode with Kyle as well, like, for Katie Tunstall to then turn up at, at the show too, mm. just added to it as well. Like I remember in our, in our dressing room. room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, "What? This is mental." Um, yeah, it was a very, very special place to play um, for us. Um, and were you not? Were you not just like Katie? Can you not read the sign on the door? Like, <laughs> what, what are you playing at, mate? <laughs> yeah, look, hun. Like that's clearly not your dressing room. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, if, when you think about it, right, I think that the two shows at BB Kings were very, very special. And I feel, I feel that we're very, we're in a privileged club, right, to have, like, we're not, we're not full-time musicians, right? Uh, but even full-time musicians. We don't even practice. <laughs> <laughs> full-time musicians, right, dream of playing somewhere mm -hmm. like BB Kings, somewhere so iconic. 
the fact that we got to do it and we got to do it twice was really really special um and really when when all is said and done if you if you were to look at the the top gigs that we played it would be one or both of those shows would probably make every one of our top five easily easily um, because it was that that special it was that amazing and the crowd it, as Mark alluded to, it certainly helps that they were ploughed with free alcohol, but the crowd were right up for it. They were phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Absolutely fantastic. That was the kind of crowd you could crowd surf on and they would they would have carried you. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I'm surprised Craig didn't try it, to be fair. <laughs> I've had a few stupid moments like that. After indulging in all the free alcohol, I had decided, right, that I was going to put on an event and after, well, so the BB Kings thing was, was the post parade party. Mm-hmm. And I decided, ah, oh, post parade party is not enough. Let's do a post post parade party <laughs> and put on an event in Bloom's Bar. Initially, it was touted for Club Coming, actually, Alan Cummins' place, but things didn't work out. They had a bit of an issue with their music license, and, and the, the people at Bloom's kindly stepped in and said, look, have your, have your event here. Yeah. So, Gliadric, we're going to play. Uh, a kind of impromptu thing. We're going to do some Kabbalistic Cavalry stuff. And then Pam was going to sing. The Highland Divas were going to do some stuff among them. And there was a, there was all manner of different things going on. And it was, I think it was a great event. Um, but before we get to the actual after party, right, um, Mark, you tell the story so well about when all those instruments were getting put in a taxi. It was, it was just that moment when... We, we were traveling from one venue to the other and we were in New York, of course. So we go in a taxi and it's all a bit hectic. As you said, a lot of free booze kicking about. Um, we chucked all of the instruments or basically all of the instruments anyway um, into, into the single taxi. We all hop in. Uh, we, get to the, we get to the next venue. We jump out as you do with the taxi. You, you, you pay the man, you say... You know, cheerio etc and then you do that thing where you tap on the boot um to you know to get the, so that they, they open the latch and you, you can get the, the boot up but no the, this this guy took the tapping on the roof as a symbol to floor it but thankfully in new york flooring it means you get about five meters <laughs> so we're <laughs> bombing it after this uh this taxi um going, going crazy I, I can't even remember who was there with there was a, there was multiple people like running down the middle of the road in new york just because there's thousands of pounds of instruments <laughs> careering i mean it, it was the last gig so we would have i mean we were obviously had to do a bit in in, inside the after party but it would have been a pretty pretty rubbish after party if, if we had absolutely no instruments whatsoever i don't know what we, what would we've done if we had no instruments mind new york someone else has got instruments we could yeah, borrow yeah, some. True. i remember after bb kings we had hired a radio mic for your bagpipes greg oh, yeah because yeah. yours was a bit faulty or whatever yeah and we realized that there was no way to get it back so when when you're drunk, you kind of think you're invincible and everything's fine. So I volunteered to walk with all the radio mics about 30, 20, 30 blocks, maybe. And after about four of them, regretted the decision to walk. Because New York is a horrible place to walk in because you have to cross the road every like 20 yeah. metres. You have to wait there for like a couple of minutes to cross the road. And you're determined. You get to the block and then you've got to put the stuff down and then wait for <laughs> So I, it felt like it took about nine hours, probably took about 20 minutes. But I remember getting back to the place we rented them from and I was absolutely dripping with sweat, drunk, in a kilt, 
Guy just like stared at me as I was like hobbling up the corridor towards his front desk, and he was like, "What is going on here?" <laughs> and then straight after that, for some reason, I decided to get an Uber back, even though I wasn't carrying anything. <laughs> but, so you went and dropped that stuff off before we went to Bloom. Before you went to Bloom's. No, I met you at Bloom's, and then by the time I got the Uber back to Bloom's. I walked in and the place was absolutely jumping and I was like, Jesus, I'm looking for Mark, Ross, Paul, Craig, like I don't know where anyone is. Walked upstairs just to see you on the stage go, ah! <laughs> <laughs> like across the entire yeah. room. I had very much indulged in all the free alcohol at, 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 by this point and it still blows my mind, right, that Alex Salmond, the first minister at the time, yeah. <laughs> was at my party and i have no recollection of him being there not even the slightest do any of you remember him being there i i just remember pointing out the the newspaper article to you in a couple of days after or, or i don't even know when like maybe, maybe weeks after even um but yeah he was definitely <laughs> he was definitely there propping up the bar <laughs> what a scary proposition uh, on to what he would have witnessed um because that- because it was it was quite it was quite free-flowing the the entertainment that night it was quite a uh, improvised it was jazz free form jazz we were doing I remember, yeah. I remember Josh going up to play with them um, the uh, with with Georgia mm. and him saying from the stage Craig Craig if if you're there can you give me your capo and I was in the middle of the crowd and somehow I decided it would be wise to just lob this capo across the venue and of course the capo hit a light and then hit a woman in the head at which point i just ducked like <laughs> yeah it the was manly thing scandalous. to do <laughs> yeah, pretty scandalous really um the one thing i do it, remember it, is at one point i think the toilet was downstairs or something like that and i walked down the stairs and passed you like slumped on the banister of the stairs and you were still breathing, so I thought, well, I'll go for a pee first. So, and then came back, and you were still, like, head was bowed like that and, like, looking down at the ground. And you were still breathing. So I was like, Craig, you're all right. And you looked up, and had, fortunately, I didn't realise you had a mouthful of water. And you, <laughs> the entire contents of your mouthful of water ended up on my shirt. <laughs> and I, I think I have never been so annoyed at you at that moment in time. So I then just said... I'll see you upstairs. <laughs> yeah, I'll get you upstairs. I, the video that makes me laugh is the one of the stowaway that night because I was not in any sort of fit state to really perform in any way. And I really mean that, perform in any way. Um, however, you managed though. <laughs> more on that later. Uh, however, <laughs> the, the video of you singing the stowaway is priceless. It's absolutely brilliant. My, my, my good self. Yes, you don't do it. Have I seen that video? I don't, I don't even know. I have it. I can send you it. But oh, you don't, share. you'd obviously rehearse that a lot as well. Do you know, like, as well, much yeah, there's, there's, there's what, there's like three syllables or four syllables in that whole song. So yeah. um, I memorized that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. And obviously, that was the end of the tour, and we all went home, and it was great. <laughs> <laughs> however, however. <laughs> However, there's a However, we, there was a the, I mean I mean correct me if I'm wrong but after the after party uh, sorry after the after after party there was an after <laughs> after after party in 
just in in the bars kicking about. Um, I don't I don't have a clue where we went to. Probably more Irish bars, just because that's that's the Irish bar down the road from the hotel was definitely in that list. It, it, exactly, and I, I remember I remember Craig just to, decided because he was a big he was a big star by that point and had hosted his event in, in New York just didn't want to pay <laughs> just just went from bar to bar just, just probably because we'd had so much kind of free alcohol that night you just must have thought New York was your your, your kind of plaything <laughs> just <laughs> drifted from bar to bar having having free alcohol <laughs> yeah. until he until he drifted into the bedroom dun, oh. dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> The bedroom you mean that you didn't get to sleep in that night? The bedroom that I didn't get to sleep in that night. For reasons unknown. A, a, a big uh, a big bed for myself, but I ended up having to sleep in the hallway. In the hallway because someone didn't let me in to my own bedroom. And I remember being woken up at like 5.30 in the morning by a very, very large security guard for the hotel and just kind of violently shaking me on the shoulder, being like, what are you doing here? I was like, I've got a bedroom. I've got a bedroom. Don't worry. <laughs> it's just that one there. Look, I've got a key. Someone <laughs> don't, 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 don't throw me. Don't throw me out. <laughs> Someone not say that the guy was like kicking you. <laughs> that, that, that was my bad, actually. I woke up pretty easily. <laughs> I woke up pretty easily because I'm a fairly light sleeper. Um, uh, Josh had, had Josh... context as well. You're lying in the corridor of a, a pretty nice hotel in New York in a kilt sleeping in the corridor. It wasn't my best moment, but it was not. It was nothing to do with me because I had I had been refused entry to my own bedroom. I I went to I went to Paul. I I said Paul, I can't get into my own bedroom. I'm gonna have to. Can I sleep on the floor in your bedroom? And Paul went no. <laughs> <laughs> what a kind soul he is. I mean, for which I do not remember that at all. I don't think you'd have wanted to be in that in that room necessarily uh, at that point, though. It has to be said. Like, how did we refer to it the other week when we were talking? Nature taking its course or something. Mm. I mean, yeah, yeah. There, was, there, yeah. Was, there was a reason that I didn't. That, that that I didn't force my. I didn't force my way into that room. I, I preferred yeah. the. I mean, I think the cold uh, corridor. I think I think the room of me, Paul, Ross, and Allison was enough as it was to then see you and Josh at the door. And you're like, oh come on, we've we've got. I was begging. I was I was like, I'll take the bath. <laughs> I'll take the bath. I'll stand. I mean, up. I don't even think there was any floor space. I would have slept in. I would have slept in a guitar case, like anything. Just <laughs> a bath. So a bath. Yeah. But then, to be fair, the next morning when we came into the hotel room, you and Josh were in the bed alongside uh, the nature that called, shall we say? Yes. <laughs> the next. Yeah. Morning. I mean. How did that feel though? Waking up and there's this big burly security guard. Oh right, I thought you were going to ask us how did it feel that nature called. <laughs> <laughs> how did it feel though? Like waking up and there's some big burly security guard like well, can you? You know, away, you know, you know when you, you know when you wake up um, yeah. after a night out and it's disorientating. Yeah. And then you know how sometimes when you're on holiday and you wake up and it's disorientating because you don't know where you are and it's a like a like where's this bedroom or whatever. Combine both those things with someone violently shaking you as well. <laughs> it was extremely disorientating. <laughs> but then what but then you, you mentioned about the, the kicking. Um and I remember I, I woke up as I said fairly easily, and Josh was also slumped down uh on the the, the, the hall floor and the, the security guard was like you're gonna have to wake him up and I was like not my problem. Like, <laughs> <I'm> just, 
<laughs> so, so uh, you know, I, I kind of timidly started kind of shaking Josh and he was out. He was completely, completely out for the count. So I, I was like, just kind of shook him a bit harder. And then I was like, you're going to have to help me, Mr. Security Guard. So he just, he just booted him. He literally just kind of <laughs> absolutely booted him. <laughs> I didn't wake him up either. Like it took it took a good few kicks by the security guard to um to kind of jolt Josh into into some life. <laughs> I have to say that the fine for antisocial behaviour there is was a hundred percent worth the story because it's one of the best stories. It's absolutely and, 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 and tell it and tell us, Craig, how how large was that fine for antisocial behaviour? Um, Seven hundred dollars, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was a bit of a... Spec- spectacular. It was a, yeah, it was an interesting one, let's put it that way. But it didn't end there. When you think about Sunday morning, we, we we all go out, we head to this diner that we'd kind of fallen in love with a little bit. We kind of liked it, you know, we've been a few times and and we're, we're sitting in the diner and Josh is like, I need to spew, I need to spew. And so he goes running to spew, but doesn't make it to the toilet. He spews... At the bottom of the stairs, um, at, at which well, point, the top of the stairs was it not all the way down? <laughs> so, I mean, he spewed everywhere. I mean, like, literally everywhere. And a guy then proceeded to slip in his sick. Oh, at which point, we're like, right, we're out. We are leaving. <laughs> that Sunday, I have to say, is the most hungover I've ever been in my life ever. To be ever. fair, that that Sunday after like going back to you spitting water on me, and then what Mark and Josh went through. And then you were absolutely hanging that day. And we had a wee bit of time to kill before me, you and Paul got the flight home. So to make you suffer even more, I was like to Paul, Paul, what have we not done yet that you really want to do? And Paul was like, Madison Square Gardens tour. And we were like, right, come on, the three of us are going. So we're going around the Madison Square Gardens tour. And uh, the tour guide, brilliant as he was, me and Paul were, you know, really cool. It was interesting ice skating I think was going on or whatever and I turned around and here's Craig like fast asleep <laughs> on the banister <laughs> like way up Madison Square Garden just like that yeah and, and I also remember we were standing in the corridor at one point and the guy was talking away like oh yeah New York Rangers do this and that and that and that and Craig's standing with a carrier bag with his head to the floor <laughs> just swinging the carrier bag back and forward like oh my god I'm about to die <laughs> it's worth noting actually I was away to make that point that I love jackets, right? And in that bag was a jacket that I bought in Macy's when oh, yeah. I was drunk. I have to say, that is the worst jacket I have ever purchased. I don't think... I, I, I wore it once and was like, I look like a f***ing And I tried to sell it on eBay and nobody would buy it on eBay. It was that bad. Like, it was like a designer jacket as well. It was like... It's I, like Arma- it was Armani or something, but I was, remember you spending quite a lot of money. It was like dollars. So when you consider the fact that that's nine hundred dollars on an antisocial behaviour <laughs> thing and a shitty jacket that I wore once that I couldn't even shift for fifty quid on eBay, it was that was boofing. That is the worst decision I've ever made in terms of like drunken purchases we were we were probably egging you on as well just because you'd screwed us over the night before we were like yeah great that jacket that jacket that that really suits you that jacket that just bring brings out brings out everything in you great right after we'd done right after i bought the jacket and after madison square garden we went for we went to starbucks ali and ali and paul and i 
Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, for, a, like, for like, a double skinny half cap soya, <laughs> pumpkin spiced, all the caramel custom- chai latte, blonde roast to go. So, <laughs> <laughs> so the, the boys are like, ah, oh, let's see what you bought then. And I took the jacket out the out the bag, thinking this is cool. Uh, and, and Josh was sick again. <laughs> and, and Paul and Ali, the like the look on their faces was just like, "How much did you spend on that? That is horrendous." <laughs> that was a sale item, right? <laughs> take it back. <laughs> oh, brilliant. To be fair, like taking dragging you around. The, well, the diner was a highlight, and then dragging you around the tour was a highlight, and then your jacket for me was a highlight. And I thought, you know, <laughs> this day for me just cannot get better. Like, but then. I, I, the the one thing that made it better was you getting stopped at airport security. <laughs> <laughs> right, so yeah, you, you, let's tell this. I forgot about this as well. I forgot this had to be told. Ali, you can tell that one. So we were, by this point, very tired, very hungover, and looking forward to another transatlantic flight back home again. And then that whole thing of, you know, you're that hungover that you go through airport security and the scanner thing, oh, I'll be fine, take my shoes off, take my belt off. It beeps once and you think, oh, right, okay, I'll go through again. And then when it beeps the second, third and fourth time, there's starting to become a bit of a problem. <laughs> so then when a very large gentleman asks Craig to step aside, <laughs> so me and Paul are then sitting down by this point, like finding this very funny, to then find out that it's Craig is testing positive for explosives. <laughs> the, the moisture control system in my, in my bag was testing positive for explosives over and over again, like not just once, like every time. And it was a ve- it was a good half hour or more than half an hour, 45 minutes that we were sat there waiting for you because the boy had to then take apart the bagpipes and then scan you several times and even pat you down and everything just to make sure you weren't carrying a bomb. I'll tell you what, that was that was a tetchy experience. Like if, if we weren't hungover and tired and anxious or whatever enough, that tipped me over the edge, man. That, that guy was ready to strip search me. Like, he really was. Was he slapping that glove on? Was <laughs> that was, that for, was some, for some reason, he kept dropping bars of soap as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, he, he was like, I remember him saying to me, look, look at your case. Do not look away from the case. If you look away from the case, like, I don't know, we'll shoot you. I don't know. Um, but, like, it was, it was not a fun experience to be involved in at the time. It really, really was not. But we made it back here alive. Um, I think, do you know what? To sum it up, right, the whole experience, like, we all love travelling, right, and we miss travelling great. 10 out of 10, we'd do it again. <laughs> is that your tip <laughs> advisor review, is it? Yeah, like, yep. that's that's my sum up. <laughs> um, you know, we all love travelling and we all miss it greatly, right? We all love gigging and we all miss it greatly, right? But when all is said and done, I don't think there's anything greater than going out, you know, you can go on lads' holidays or you can go on mates' holidays or couples' holidays or whatever, but to actually go out and see a bit of a, a bit of a, a bit of the US and get and drive around the country, get out the van every day in a new city and go, yeah, we're playing a show here tonight. That I would go as far to say that that is and probably always will be one of the best weeks of my life. Like and oh, I was, feel it was, it was epic. Yeah. I feel that up there. I feel that we are like, you know, I'm getting all soppy here, but the fact that we we did that together and we 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 had such a great time and all that we achieved and the great great stories like this this is definitely going to end up being the longest podcast episode that's gone out <laughs> and rightly so because the stories that we have to tell about that tour and we've probably missed some as well I, this is these were the only ones that we could actually air as well yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, with the most incredible people so boys thank you for making it so so amazing and hopefully we can do this kind of thing again soon 
Ross, we'll start with you because you're at the bottom of my screen. What was your own highlight of that whole week? So many highlights, but I think mine, I mean, it, it, it's just got to be stepping on the stage in BB Kings in New York and actually having a crowd go, wow, we want to see you guys and just the atmosphere. It's just, it's, I think for me, it's the atmosphere of like everywhere we were, everyone was so, so willing to see us and just make us feel welcome. So for me, I think it's atmosphere, people, that kind of package. Atmosphere and people, that's a good way to put it. I like that. Uh, Mark, what was your personal highlight of the whole week? I was hoping you were going to go to someone else. I, I don't even... I, obviously, everything that Ross said, my, I mean, the, the highlight was probably BB King's show as well and just not playing that many two... Let me, not playing that many wrong notes. That was that was the highlight <laughs> for me. Like, I definitely played wrong notes. I'm, 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 I will apologize. You're not the only that. one. <laughs> but like... No, just yeah, that was that was that was fantastic. That was fantastic. Uh, Paul, what was your you, you were looking confused there before getting to you? What was your highlight of the whole week? Um, Craig, Craig's jacket that you bought. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, playing in BB Kings and etc. was from a playing point of view definitely the highlight. But I don't know. There's so many different parts of the tour that became funny stories. If you know what I mean, that we'll probably all relate to for 10, 20, 30 years time and think, oh my God, like that happened in New York or it happened in America. So for me, yeah, no, it is difficult to pinpoint one memorable moment as such. It was just a, an absolutely amazing week. A wee road trip in America. How many bands can say they've actually done that? You know what I mean? Yeah. And then finished the tour in New York. Not many, certainly local bands can say that, 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 they've had that opportunity to do that so and yet and to, to actually add to that new york also somehow felt like a home show i i think our guest list for new york is the longest guest list we've ever had <laughs> and it's in new york like it, the, when you when you put that into perspective it, that's nuts that is nuts <laughs> um yeah, for me like i would just sum it up by saying that it was the best time with the best people like we we, we just we, we all became the band family, if you want to call it that, became so much closer. We had the best time. With, like, we were all brothers, man, for that week, and it was just the best time with the best people. I don't think I could pick one singular moment because, as Paul said, we'll be telling these stories to the grandkids. To yeah, like, you know what I mean? Like, and no one will ever take that away from us. Ali, what um, to round up? What was your favourite standout highlight moment of the week? The, like everyone said, the whole week was was great. BB King's was a highlight. Um, I've totally just remembered, Mark. Do you remember we were after BB King's? We were in the the crowd. No, I don't remember. You don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> but carry on, carry on. <laughs> you had found somebody in the crowd. I have no idea how, but they were from Aberdeen. <laughs> I, I do. I I genuinely do that. Remember that because I was like, I I was speaking to someone and they were like, yeah, I'm from Aberdeen. I was like. I've got someone from Stonehaven here, somewhere, somewhere. I'll go and grab them. <laughs> shouting over the crowd to come and yeah, get yeah. me. And we're like, oh, Scotland, <laughs> I, I've also remembered when me and Paul went sightseeing. That was just like everything you could think of New York sightseeing going totally well. It was the polar opposite. Like everything went wrong. It was awful. <laughs> so bad yeah. and Paul was like oh I'm really excited to go sightseeing and I was like yeah come on I'll take you I know everything and we ended up in a coach and a lot of the time ended up in New Jersey at one point <laughs> uh, getting Ubers back into the city the whole week was like that it was like highs and lows but fun every single day it was brilliant 
it's good. Everything about it was fun. Like it was incredible. Uh, we should round up there, boys. But thank you so much for coming on to to chat this tonight because it's been great to reflect on it and tell these stories publicly and and like look back on what a, what a great time it was. So thanks very much for coming on, and uh, we'll have you on again soon. You know, glad to years. be here. Glad to be here. Thank you.